welcome to this episode of Spiritual Resilience and Personal Power Through Awareness. In this episode, we're going to talk about truly knowing who you are and really asking the question, who am I? Because if you don't know who you are, you're just not going to develop that resilience as you go through the challenges that life offers. We're sort of oriented in our society to avoid challenges because they're difficult. But a lot of times those challenges is how you find out who you are. And so to know who you are truly requires the stillness of your mind. You're just not going to know who you are through the filters and feedback of others. This is contrary to how the world at large operates right now. We operate from the outside in rather than from the inside out. So we allow the world to define who we are and then we wonder when we're going through something really difficult why we're so confused but if you really know who you are and you're operating from the inside out things become really super clear in our uh, current society we're taught the opposite And is it any wonder then that we become so confused? Nearly everything you believe to be true about yourself has been through the perceptions, filters, beliefs, awareness, and narrative, which is the inner self-talk of others. So people are doing what is called projecting. So they see you in a certain way based on their own stuff. And they project that onto you and they tell you that's who you are. And if you've given your power away to them, you believe it. And this usually starts in childhood. It usually starts with parents. Unless you were born to parents um, that recognize the value and importance of knowing who you are, they're just going to do exactly what everybody else has ever done. They're going to do exactly what their parents did to them and so on and so forth. The beautiful thing is, is that it doesn't matter. You know, there is, you know, another thing where you have a lot of people walking around blaming their parents for who they are and the choices they made and things like that. The thing is, is that the minute that you have the awareness, you can now pivot into beginning the journey of learning who you are. So spending any ounce of time blaming it on someone else's is pointless and some of us will do that I certainly did because I didn't know any better you know in my 20s I blamed my parents I went through a really significant amount of trauma and and I've mentioned this before and the thing is is those things did happen but as an adult and certainly with all of the tools and capabilities and You know, a lot of people talking, having this conversation, um, we have the ability to now take the time to learn about who we are. And if there's anything that's amiss, you know, like we're wounded or anything like that, then we can learn how to work through that. But it first has to start with recognizing that the ultimate question is, who am I? And so that's what this episode will be about.
so if we take our current reality with what I will refer to as the green bug, I don't want to call it anything. Um, we all know what we're talking about here, but we know the picture of it as the green bug. There are many narratives out there about it, where it comes from, who caused it, is it real, etc. And depending on where people are with regard to their inner narrative, everything from anti-government to conspiracies, from a lot of different sides to full-on fear about the unknown invader that we're dealing with and trying to figure out how this thing operates so we can control it. People have taken the narrative that is the closest match to what they already believe and they've claimed it as their own in order to create a false inner sense of safety and security. And this is why there are so many views and why things are so confusing right now. But what would happen if you really know the immortal soul, higher self, an inner being that exists beyond this body and all space and time? The one that exists even when your body doesn't anymore. Would such an aspect of you fear any of the stories or believe any of the stories? Would it fear a green bug or anything or anyone else? Now it doesn't mean that This part of you will not give you everything you need to know in order to protect the body you are living in for as long as you are meant to be in it. Knowing yourself means to listen to that inner guidance and know that it will guide you to trustworthy resources that feel grounded and stable and make sense to who you are being in this moment. It will also probably tell you that all the stories flying around about the outside world are probably at least a little true. But trust in your own inner guidance doesn't require you to pick any of the stories out there and take any of them as your own. It's just about being aware that they exist and it may explain the world you are living in but it's not a world that you're made of that's where that saying from the Bible comes from you know where Jesus said to be in the world but not of it so again especially now That quiet time and stillness to reflect on your own thoughts and how you feel outside of the fray of everyone else's projections is crucial to really knowing who you are. And the more often you can do that, the better, the less confusion there will be. Knowing who you are means making a commitment to yourself. What does that mean? Sometimes you might think it means facing yourself with willpower to live a vision of who you think you should be. You might think if you've made a decision about who you should be, You have to stand by that no matter what, even if things have changed for you.
I'll give you an example from my own personal experience. For a very long time, we've lived in a world that has said, when you marry a person, you take these vows, and it's for better or worse, in sickness and health, till death do us part. And ideally, if both of you are growing at the same pace, you're both growing, you're both developing, you're both learning, and you're doing this at relatively the same pace. So you're creating a we while also still having an I. That would be ideal, but it's not really what we celebrate or what we teach. And so if you're with someone for a very long time, um, you get further and further away from who you are. And you may not even know who you are. A lot of times we get married when we're really young. So I'll share the story of my own marriage. Um, I'll preface it by saying that the man that I was married to for 23 years, we're still really good friends. We still care about each other. We still love each other. You know, he's moved on to be married to someone else. And, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, I really initiated the place that we arrived at where we decided to get divorced. And I struggled with it. And I mostly struggled with it because I had gone through such a deep process of learning who I am and it doesn't mean that I wasn't someone else when I met this man and I married him I was very young I met him when I was 23 we were married when I was 24 and we went through a lot of things together and we did grow together in a lot of different ways and I do believe that that's you know a huge reason why you know we were together as long as we were we were married for 23 years and I think for the most part we had the same visions and the same goals for where we wanted to be and um, I also think that I had a certain amount of vision and goal for where I wanted to go and he wanted to help create that with me but I also think that for him he had his own vision and his own goals and he put those off to the side you know which I never asked him to do but a lot of times we do that in the context of a marriage and then over time what ends up happening is we end up resenting the other person because we've given up huge chunks of ourselves in order to be with that person. And I think that if he'd had the courage to, you know, be true to himself and and take the risk of disappointing me, I would have grown through that and we would have been a more solid version of a we over time. And not too many people know how to do that anymore. You know, it's, it's mostly about either completely negating your own needs and desires or making the relationship only about yourself. So the time came where, you know, I recognized I had grown so much that the container of my relationship, the container of my marriage as it was, and it didn't look like it was going to expand anymore. I had outgrown it, and so I really struggled with it. I struggled with it a lot because typically when we look at divorcing someone or leaving a marriage or leaving a relationship, we have to find something wrong with them. And the truth was is that there wasn't anything wrong with him. He's a good person. He's a wonderful human being, but I was different, and I had a lot more growing to do. And in retrospect, I can know that, you know, I made the right choice for myself and ultimately for him too.
So making a commitment to yourself means listening to your feelings and inner guidance from moment to moment and acting on what is right for you in present time. It will be important from here forward to plan and visualize what you want for the future if you're feeling guided to do that. After you do that, it's important to relax and trust that your future self is going to do what is appropriate at that future time. It's important to give plenty of space for it to look different than how you are currently envisioning it because your future self will be different than the you that you perceive yourself to be right now. Because through the process of creating what you're envisioning, you will always be evolving and changing to meet that vision. So this means knowing what is appropriate at the present time. In the current circumstances, this will be more important than ever. So as things are unfolding in our current climate and there's so much flurry flying around, you starting to get really clear and go inward and listen and develop that relationship with yourself is going to make the process as all of, you know, as everything starts to shake out, it'll become easier. So in order to do this, you must know your feelings. And you might say, I know how I feel. But a lot of you out there not only don't know how you feel, even more of you don't back up your feelings with words or actions. They're not in alignment. And that's the true source of any confusion you may feel. A lot of times we blame that on the external world. We blame that on the circumstances. But more often than not, it has more to do with already knowing inside yourself how you feel. But because of your conditioning, because of the way that you were brought up, because of how society says you should be, you have conditioned yourself to operate sometimes almost the exact opposite of how you feel. How many of you are asked to do something for someone, yet you feel like it's something you don't want to do, but it's something that you should do? So you do it, and you go against how you feel. And when you start pledging to honor yourself, especially after not doing so for so long with the people that are closest to you, people may start calling you selfish and you're going to have to get used to that. You might have programming or what I call conditioning. You'll hear me say that a lot. Conditioning that says it is wrong to be selfish and that you owe something or are obligated in some way to others. But here's the thing. You're not going to be able to sense energy clearly. You cannot be powerful and flow with the energy around you unless you first commitment is to yourself. If you don't make your own life thoughts goals and time a priority you will become lost in the currents of other people's desires and expectations right now we can see that as a flurry of what is unfolding it's happening all around us and everybody is projecting onto one another the agenda that they have for the people around them And no one is encouraging anyone else to trust themselves and do what is best for them as long as it's not harmful to other people. Mm
whatever shows up in your reality, whether it's a person, a project, or an event, will constantly push you back and forth like a small boat on an ocean of huge waves. Right now especially, right? If you know who you are, make your own life a priority and acknowledge your feelings and act on them. You can then be a strong vessel sailing calm waters in a direction that you have chosen. From this point, you will start to know when to pay attention to your own needs and when to be selfless. While it's important to be centered within yourself and know who you are, making your life a priority, it is also important to be aware of your effect on other people. So this is an and both. You are more powerful when you understand the effect of your actions on others and then choose the actions you want to take. It's important to realize that if you are honoring your higher path and self versus the ego-centered self, you will also be honoring the higher path and self of others, even if it might not seem so at the time. It is also important to know when to be selfless, when to flow with things and let go of the demands of your ego. The best guideline that I know of and that really works well for me is to be selfless when it comes to unimportant things like what table to sit at if you're going out to eat with someone, you know, at a restaurant, or what movie to watch. And it doesn't mean that it's not okay to voice what movie you would prefer to watch, but if it's not that important to you, it's okay to let that go. You know, to just let the small stuff slide by. When it comes to the big things, though, your higher vision, doing those things that serve humanity and fulfill your purpose, that's when to take a stand. It's important to be selfless when you're part of a larger group working toward a common goal as a community, as long as those goals are part of your higher purpose. And you'll begin to know if this is true. This is known as your inner integrity. If it's part of your higher purpose, your inner integrity, and there's a sense of joy in that service, then selflessness and service become almost effortless. But if it's coming from a place of guilt, whether it's inner guilt or being guilted or shamed into doing it, pressured, or having this sense of have to, then it's not appropriate. Most of you are so wrapped up in your own lives, so concerned with your impact on other people, wondering what will so-and-so think when I tell him or her what I'm doing, that you often don't know who you are except from that limited perspective. There are many ways to shift your perspective to view yourself in a new light. One, which I think is the most common that a lot of people do, 
is to put yourself in other people's shoes to look at them not through your own judgments and beliefs but through their beliefs and perspectives you may feel like an actor on a stage with everyone watching and judging you however it is only you who has put yourself on a stage watching observing and judging yourself when you do this you also begin to feel responsible for other people if they feel bad then you may feel you've caused it do not feel responsible for everyone's happiness only they can choose to be happy or not you can't choose this for them you know you've seen small children who feel they caused their parents divorce because in their young eyes everything that appears to be happening is something that they've caused if you want to gain a new perspective of who you are you have to see yourself through the eyes of another person put yourself in the other person's shoes think of his or her challenges their attitudes and abundance or lack of it and just let let the images flow You have just left your reality and become a part of another's reality. You will understand another person's actions and behavior by stepping outside of your life and viewpoint, and you'll also be able to sense yourself more clearly. Look at your life through his or her eyes. This is commonly known as empathy. So as an exercise continue to do this. You can begin tomorrow with some of the people you come in contact with. Use your imagination and think about the reality they're living in, the stress they're under, the kinds of thoughts that must be going on in their minds. and what their lessons could be right now with this level of understanding even though it may seem to be just your imagination you can interact with them in a way that is healing to you and them make this process as a habitual one something you do without trying or thinking then When you are worried about others, concerned with what they think of you, you will be able to use the same process to sense their energy and point of view. This takes the focus off of yourself and opens your heart. It allows you to feel more compassion. And we all need more of that, right? More compassion. allowing yourself to feel more uh, compassion also allows you to have more understanding about their lives rather than worry about how they might be judging you so that's a little bit of a shift you become less concerned with what they think of you and how they're judging you and be just more in that place of empathy about compassion and understanding One of the biggest blind spots in sensing energy is being too aware of yourself, existing too much on the center stage of your own life. You unwittingly are blocking yourself from sensing other people's realities when you are more concerned with what they think of you 
than what you can do to assist them, which of course assists you. When I talk about moving upward to higher energy levels, I'm talking about helping others. I'm talking about making every contact you have throughout the day an uplifting one. And as you make every contact you have throughout the day an uplifting one, that uplifts you. So you start to notice when you are serving others in this way, you are also serving yourself. You can't become more sensitive to energy until you can handle it in an uplifting and supportive way. The universe wouldn't allow you to experience that much energy if you didn't know how to handle it. The more you can work with the energy you sense in a way that uplifts and heals you and others, the more you'll be able to sense and know the energies that exist around you. So ask yourself this question. What is a healing contact? How do you make every connection a healing one? The first step toward creating healing connections is to forgive people as you come in contact with them. First, become aware of any resentment you may have had or that you now have toward them. Any feelings of superiority or inferiority, any grudges, any negative thoughts you have sent to them. Even if it's only an inner picture you have that implies something about them that is not up to your standards. To heal the present or the past. Feel a sense of forgiveness for yourself. For anything you have sent them on a thought or emotional level that has not assisted them in their growth. This has a lot of implications. You start to realize that this is a full-time job. This is your job. Ask your higher self how you can assist those people in their spiritual enfoldment. What communication could you give that would serve them? To find an answer to that question, you've got to be able to listen to your inner guidance. Ask your higher self to assist you in becoming more aware of their realities. Ask for assistance in hearing your inner guidance more clearly. How can you appreciate, acknowledge, and thank them? Those questions and thoughts will take you outside the narrower focus of your personality to experience a higher, wiser understanding of the other person's reality. So throughout this journey, it's going to be all about shifting. It can be just this ever so slight shift. Shifting or pivoting, those are two interchangeable phrases that I use. Give to others what you want to receive love, support, appreciation, healing, acknowledgement, and you'll get it back. 
If you're walking around wondering, how can I be acknowledged, have more support, or get what I want, this blocks your clear sensing of other people's energy. Forgiving and releasing judgments opens your ability to become aware of other people's systems of reality and it most definitely enables you to view yourself in a higher and more loving way. As more and more people are expressing out into the world what their reality is, this is going to become more and more important. You're going to have a lot of people trying to change one another and trying to mold each other into their view of how reality is but that never works so when you come from this place of the forgiving and releasing that will enable you to view yourself in a higher and more loving way you'll automatically begin forgiving supporting, acknowledging, and appreciating yourself when you forgive, support, acknowledge, and appreciate others. Releasing your judgments about others is not just a gift you are giving to the world, it's also a gift to you. So you start to see this as a win-win scenario. Everyone can learn to be aware of their own energy by becoming aware of other people's energy. The more accurately you perceive energy in other people, the more precisely you're going to be able to sense it in yourself. This is true not only of positive energy, but also of fear and other negative energies. You'll be able to fear where people are coming from. You know, a good example of that is if somebody's coming at you in a very negative kind of way, you'll be able to perceive what's underneath that. I call it peeling back another layer. And nine times out of ten, where they're operating from is fear. Or something else there's a place that they're coming from I call it their MO the mode of operandis they're coming from a place of fear and it doesn't have anything to do with you when you judge others you feel your own shadow side and you bring into yourself any negative energy that you are judging to see your sense energy clearly, and this is so important right now, right? Is to leave behind right or wrong judgments, the place of right or wrong. Challenge yourself to let go of the right or wrong narrative, the good or bad framework. When you observe a quality or characteristic in others that you do not like, explore how it fits into their lives. Look at how that particular trait works for them, what that quality does for them. Perhaps that's how they have survived a painful childhood. Leaving behind judgment frees you from being affected by other people's energy. What is fear? What is the shadow side? It is that part of you that may be affecting you through its negative view of the world. 
you can transform this side with love and by facing your fears. Until you face your fears and see them for what they are, fear can appear as a feeling of distress, anxiety, worry, or concern. There are moments when you feel light and joyful and moments when you do not. Those worrisome moments are often an indication of fear. The higher and more expanded your consciousness, the more you will release fear. Again, I'll say this over and over again, especially right now. This is time is absolutely perfect for all of this. So many people are operating in fear. They're operating in fear of what's going to happen. They're operating in fear of where something comes from. You know, all of these different angles. way to dissolve fear is to turn and look directly at it because what you face dissolves in the light of consciousness in the light of awareness some of you will see me post things that just seem crazy but I post them for that purpose. That's my purpose. I encourage people to look at everything. Instead of avoiding the things that you don't understand and you're, you're afraid of, I invite you to just look right at them and let the light of consciousness reveal anything that there might be there for you. And if there isn't anything there for you, you'll know. Fear at the lower levels of vibration can exist as strong emotions. So a lot of these knee-jerk reactions and the overreactions and the projections, these are, you know, lower vibrational expressions of fear. It can appear as a feeling of tension in the body, mind, or emotions. It can be a feeling of rushing around, trying to hide under the guise of productivity, incessant or obsessive thinking, doing rather than being. When you feel anxious or gloomy, meet that fear, meet that anxiety, meet that gloom and ask the fear behind this to come into your conscious awareness. Anything you turn your back on will grow and become worse. What you resist persists. When you're willing to stand and face what you fear, the universe will assist you in releasing and healing it. Many of you fear that you're alone. You believe that you must handle everything yourself. You may feel the great weight of responsibility. Yet the world is full of friends, healers, and help of the right kind. The more you begin to heal those you contact, the more healing will come back to you. And this can come in just really simple forms like smiling at someone, holding the door open for them, paying it forward, maybe paying for their cup of coffee. There's all kinds of really simple things that you can do to create healing for them and know that in some way it'll find its way back to you. Receiving and giving healing is the pathway into higher energy.
as we talked about many times through this process, deep breathing does an enormous service. Fear can often be faced and transformed by deep breathing and relaxing. And so what that looks like is breathing through and with the waves of fear, like literally breathing them in, breathing in that fear. Without any kind of agenda for how long it's supposed to last, when it's supposed to end. Making a commitment to be present with it. Sometimes it means to also handle it by taking action. So when you're sensing negative energy in another, a feeling you don't like, don't run and hide from it. First, suspend your judgment and then ask the universe for guidance about what action, if any, you can take. The universe will always send you assistance when you ask for it. It may come through your thoughts as insights or revelations. It may come through something you see or read. It may come through something you hear. Or it may come through something you feel. When you feel any negativity in another, you can stop it from affecting you by asking how you can offer love and support. Maybe just imagine yourself surrounding that person with love. Or imagine surrounding that person with sunlight. And feel what sunlight feels to you and put that into that light around that person. You may find that the other person will look for ways to do the same for you. If this person cannot match you in your supportive and loving energy, he or she will leave your life or you'll find yourself creating fewer opportunities to be together. And this is a really important awareness because sometimes we hold on to situations with other people as they're leaving our life in the highest good both for themselves and for you and we tend to want to hold on to that but if something wants to leave you or if someone wants to leave you let them what is the fear of sensing energy what is the fear of finding negative energy in others is it a fear that they can harm you Is it a belief that others can bring you down or diminish you? When you become consciously aware of your fear of negative energy, when you're in touch with how you think negative energy can harm you, then you can have a basis on which to begin working with it. Only by facing and acknowledging your fear of negative energy, can you transmute it into harmless energy? Again, positive healing energy is always more powerful than negative energy. Einstein said, you cannot solve a problem at the level at which it was created. And so that's what that means. I call it coming from a higher octave of awareness. You can experience fear in any area where your images of who you are now and who you want to be do not match. Why do you fear who you are not 
but think you should be? Do you feel disappointed in yourself that you've let yourself down in some way? Love and accept who you are, not who you will or who you think you should be. What does it mean exactly? Love and accept yourself as you are, not who you will or who you should be. Well, how many times have you said to yourself, if I just lose weight, then I'll be happy. If I get this job, then I'll be happy. If I have this amount of money, then I'll be happy. If I have this thing, then I'll be happy. If I have this love in my life, then I'll be happy. If this person loves me, then I'll be happy. All of these imply a future version of yourself that isn't here, that might never be here. And so you cut yourself off from loving yourself. But the thing is, is that the you that you are right now, you created from some previous moment that you projected into the future. If you love yourself for who you are, you're living in present time, which is the gateway to personal power toward creating what you really want that's aligned with the truth of who you are, that you're learning how to love. If you love only who you will be, then you're not in your body and you'll be living in a future you cannot affect until it becomes present time and you can act, at which time you'll probably be projecting into the future again and not fully able to embrace and accept and love the moment and the you that you're in at that time. So starting now, Look at who you are, compare it to who you want to be, and ask yourself why they do not match. Ask, is what I want to be really appropriate to who I am? Or is it something I was told I should be? Or is it something I believe I should be? The more you can clear yourself of other people's programs, other people's conditioning, expectations, and pictures of you, the more powerful you will become. Many of those future pictures involve meeting unrealistic or inappropriate standards given to you by others. The media and marketing literally survives off of you not loving yourself as you are. It feeds on you needing to be something other than yourself. It creates a picture that isn't in alignment with the truth of who you are and leaves you forever hungry searching for something that may or may not ever come. But if you buy their product, then maybe you can have it. Many of those ideals represent beliefs of others that you try to fit onto yourself. So you buy into that marketing campaign that says that you need to fit that picture. Look clearly at your expectations of yourself, especially those you constantly fail to meet. They can be indicators of areas in which you want to be and it's not fitting with your true needs. The pain you feel at the difference, the feelings of worry, fear, or distress, exist only because you're trying to wear energy that doesn't even belong to you, it belongs to someone else. Knowing who you are requires reflective time, quiet time, 
time alone is some of the most important time you can create. And I'm not speaking of time in which you're always thinking of something, but peaceful time in which you are not thinking about anything. And this is where meditation comes in. The stillness of the mind creates space for ideas to drop into your reality and be born. This is where inspiration comes from. It's born in stillness. It may be a week or more before new ideas come into your conscious awareness. However, don't let the time delay keep you from seeing the connection between quiet time and the creativity that comes later. alone, sitting quietly, and allowing yourself to rest physically, emotionally, and mentally will give you an increasingly clear sense of who you truly are, your innermost self. In those still times, you are not playing out any role, so your soul can speak to you more clearly. You have the clearest sense of your own energy when you're not around others, when you're alone. Some of you are around others all the time, and when you finally find yourself alone, you may create a million things to do, anything to keep from being quiet and reflecting on your life and feeling the discomfort of that aloneness. Aloneness and loneliness are two very different things. You may have been taught that productivity or keeping busy and creating things you can see, touch, or hear are more valuable than quiet time. However, your reflective time is the source of energy revitalization, of clear seeing, of ideas, and of inspiration. Begin valuing any time you can set aside to sit or lie down and just be quiet. Practice not thinking of anything. For inner stillness allows you to sense energy and become aware of intuitive guidance. It is also one of the highest and most effective forms of self-healing that you can use. And the reason for that is this, is that in that quiet, you can also become aware of any of those uncomfortable feelings that you're trying to put in the back of your mind, whether it's fear or dis-ease or judgment, whatever the feeling is. It gives you that opportunity to just be with it without making any conclusions about it whatsoever. And just breathing with and through whatever shows up. We're going to be moving into awareness in a meditation. It's not going to have any particular agenda other than just the practice of of being with where you are right now and breathing with and through and not making any conclusions about anything but just letting inspirations and awarenesses surface on their own. I'll be offering uh, a play sheet, some little bit of homework around this um, in the middle of the week maybe within the next day or so but in the meantime get yourself into a comfortable position maybe get yourself a drink of water go to the restroom and get into your position of being comfortable whether sitting or lying down and we'll 
go into our meditation. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. <laughs>